So my car was at the shop and the guy called me. This was, you know, before it got officially repossessed. And he's like, hey, yeah, um, this is the bill. And I was like, yeah, don't have the money. He's like, oh, well, then you got to tow it if you're not going to let us fix it. And I think it was only 50 bucks, maybe 75 for the tow, which is actually really reasonable. Mm. And I didn't even have that, Andrew. So I told him, I was like, I don't even have that. And he basically said, wow, you're pathetic. And hung up. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. To join our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and receive the following five free benefits. First, you get my risk reduction checklist I created from the lessons I've learned from all of my guests. Second, you get my weekly email to help you increase your investment return. Third, you get a 25% discount on all A. Stotts Academy courses. Fourth, you get access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you get my curated list of my favorite of all 400, my top 10. So fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I am here with featured guests, Lois Kofi. Lois, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock and roll. All right. Well, I want to introduce you to the audience. And, you know, I, I am so intrigued about your story. And part of why I wanted you on here is just to, you know, tell us a little bit about what you've done. So let me introduce you to the audience. Lois Kofi is a professional speaker, sales trainer, coach, and Iron Man triathlete who has coached thousands of people in business and healthy lifestyles for the last 22 years years. She pivoted like many in 2020 without having an email list or podcast or tribe online, having focused on face-to-face -face sales for over 20 years. Listeners, I know there's plenty of us out there that have been in that situation and may be in that situation right now. Now, she went from zero sales online to five figures a month in less than six months with something that I'm gonna ask her about, permission-based lead generation online. And now she coaches affiliate marketers and speakers, hire her to do the same, pivoting in six months, guaranteed to live their best life. She's now is at multiple five figures a month in nine months of starting at Ground Zero Online. She loves affiliate marketing as well as really passionate about sharing her story and resources through her top 20 podcasts healthy, wealthy, and wise. You can go check it out. Just type healthy, wealthy, and wise into your browser and you'll find it or come to the show notes. Uh, Lois, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Oh my gosh. Do we have enough time? I'm just super excited to be here. You know, you said uh, I'm a sales trainer and or a sales coach. And ultimately, I'm really passionate about sales, which is weird because a lot of people be like, oh, no, no, I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to be sold. So I don't want to sell and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I've been told I could sell ice to an Eskimo. And I, I just found it sales is service. And I found at a very young age that I love that face-to-face, belly-to-belly connection, that, that heart connection to, that brings people together. And so right out of college, not surprisingly, I got into real estate. I went to college for broadcast journalism, and I thought I was going to be a roving reporter for ESPN. 
and then uh, told I was going to have to probably sleep my way to the top for that to happen. And I was like, huh, that's not what I learned in college. So maybe I won't do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't sleep all that much. I don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's yeah, kind of right. crazy to say something like that. Mm. So anyway, so I've, I've sold in multiple industries. Real estate happened to be the first. And uh, I learned a lot of phenomenal lead generation tactics. I hired a coach. I had a mentor. Um, was always coachable as an athlete, uh, right. being an, becoming an Ironman. And just love, love sales. So that's that's how I, in a very, very short window, because I could probably tell mm. a lot more um, how I got to become a sales trainer here at 43 years of age. And can you just explain to me what is permission-based lead generation? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to pour a cup of coffee, by the way, for anybody who's looking. And anybody who wants <laughs> one. Hey, I got my cups too. Hey, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of cool because it's actually bittersweet when I say this, because when I, when I pivoted last year, I didn't realize what I had been doing my whole life is what Seth Godin talked about in his book, Permission-Based Marketing. So go check out his book. And he wrote the book Tribes and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I always had a big list. I always had a lot of relationships, a lot of connections. This was before the Facebook and LinkedIn, right? I always mm. had a database of relationships, you know, a gold mine. And so I would always ask people permission if I could stay in touch with them, right? I always asked people permission if I could send them things in the mail, things for, you know, getting mailing addresses. This was way back, way back before the pandemic hit. And I was like, Ah, caught like a deer in the headlights and realized, oh my gosh, how am I going to, how am I going to sell in this new normal? I didn't even have a website, mm. right? So I kind of freaked out. And the bittersweet part of the story is it was actually my brother's death that helped wake me up to what permission-based messaging and sales online at the core of it is what gets me out of bed every morning. And my brother died actually in February. And it was just just before the pandemic. He was 49, dropped dead. You know, we didn't see it coming. And I remember that week, you know, here I am in the midst of grieving. And this guy just kept messaging me on Facebook. And he was just basically spamming me without permission. He didn't even ask, how are you? How's your family? He just said, hey, watch this video. And you'd appreciate this. He was in the mm. financial service industry and he wouldn't stop messaging me. And I, of course, am sitting here like crying and just wanting to, you know, give him a few thoughts, maybe not, you know, positive, might have been a few F-bombs or mm. uh, things of that nature. But I couldn't do it because I was just, I was so, you know, hurting. And he yeah. wouldn't stop for like the next three days as I was traveling to my brother's funeral. I had to block him. And mm. I was like, I don't ever want to be like that. And then a month later, pandemic hits and all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, I don't know how to sell. But then I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm just going to use the principles I, I knew offline, which was relationships first, ask permission before you send stuff in the mail, ask permission, you know, is it okay if I stay in touch with you? Is it okay if I insert you know, whatever mm -hmm. your relationship, trust and rapport building sales process is. And so I remembered that and I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. I want to create a movement because then uh, when the pandemic hit, oh, by the way, then my mom died. Oh. So I had more loss and it just, it fired me up even more and realizing I saw a huge uptick 
Because when my brother died, no pandemic. Pandemic, everybody and their brother was messaging and the scarcity, sales, pushy, mm. spammy, like, I'm going to add you to my email list without your permission, whether you like it or not, because I don't know what else to do. Right. And so I used my grief and my pain and my anger to be like, I don't, I don't, that no, that's not cool. How can I, you know, do something different? And so I built a list through permission base. I went from zero to 5,000 people, all with asking permission and creating value first, asking how is your family? Oh, by the mm -hmm. way, because everybody's going through stuff right now, right? Even now, this is what, 15 months later, people are still experiencing death, loss, job loss, you know, grief of whatever, because life is not the way it used to be, right? So you want to first check in and say, how are you? How's your family? How's your work? You know, you might want to know if they just lost their job, right? All of these things. And then you have a conversation just like you and I did actually on mm. LinkedIn. That's how we met. Right. Yep, and yep. we saw an opportunity to, to have a conversation and here we are. So I really have a, a passion for sharing that message to people so that they just, just be a human and, and treat people with respect and then get their permission before you add them to your Facebook group, or email list or your tribe or whatever it is, is your thing that you're using to sell. It's really about service and meeting people where they're at and finding a need that potentially you could fill and having that relationship build authentically, organically, and not that used car sales approach. Like I said earlier, I, I believe sales is service. It's the highest paid profession on the planet. It's an opportunity to serve people and, and help people instead of being that used car salesman and, and changing that paradigm. So obviously that guy who messaged me and all the people that were messaging, they just didn't have the proper training. And so here I am wanting to create a movement of permission-based sales. Mm. It's inspiring for me because, yeah, I think it's, it's the fear that everybody has is they don't want to be that, that guy. Nobody wants to be that guy, but sometimes it's a little bit like stock market. You know, I've worked in the stock market all my life. And a young lady that I was a student of mine in uh, university, she got a good job making good money. And then she just, she started investing and she was just losing her money left and right. And she just thought, I thought that's what you do. And I thought this is what you do. And I thought everybody was making money. And I thought I'd just go do all this. And I just thought, no, actually the successful people are doing something very different. And you've just kind of highlighted that. And, you know, it resonates with me. And I know that resonates with the audience and for the audience out there, you got to sell. We got to sell our products and services, but don't feel like you got to sell in a way that's like that guy. And I think Lois here really can give us that and that permission <laughs> for her permission based lead generation she talked about. And, you know, I'm impressed by it, but don't take my word for it. Just go to her podcast, Healthy and Wealthy and Wise. She's already got 155 reviews and they're almost all five stars. So, again, don't take it from me. You got a lot of fans out there. So that's exciting. But now something even more exciting. Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell <laughs> us a bit about the circumstances leading up to then tell us your story. Yeah, yeah. So I knew we were going to get to that part. So I, I skipped that huge chunk of my real estate journey, right? So I got into real estate at 21. I quickly got to multiple six figures. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. 
And so I built a real estate sales team, again, thinking for the future. I started a mortgage company with a friend and didn't put a lot of thought in that actually, now that I think back at it, I was like, oh, well, she's my friend. I like her, let's do this. It's gonna be big. You know, everybody and their brother was getting into the mortgage industry at that point, right? So this was around 2005, just to give perspective. So I had been in real estate for five years, was crushing it. And I, you know, had a real estate investments, you know, we were doing fix and flips. We were doing all of these things. So we put all of our eggs in the real estate industry basket. So you can see where this is going. Instead of being a millionaire by the time I was 30, <laughs> I literally, no joke. I mean, could you write a story like this? I got my car repossessed the day before my 30th birthday, which, oh, by the way, was the last true possession in my name because by the way, my cell phone had been turned off. Verizon likes to get their bills on time. I don't know why, but they do. And so they turned off my cell phone. I think I only had a landline actually at that time because I was living with a friend and I, I could afford $19 a month. I was beyond bankrupt. I actually had everything had been, you know, bank accounts cleaned out. So I didn't have a bank account. I was going through this journey. Uh, you know, my credit was destroyed, which destroyed my, my self-worth and my identity. So I was going through all this trauma, depression set in, suicidal thoughts. You know, I, I had anxiety attacks so bad. I thought a kid was jumping on my bed. I didn't have kids at the time. It was my body. You know, I was just crippled by fear, shame, you know, guilt. I couldn't pay my bills. You know, my business partner skipped town. Everything was, of course, was personally guaranteed in my name. So all the creditors came after me. And one of our tenants, actually, of our property, it was like living the movie, The Big Short. If you saw that, one of our you know, tenants, of course, they were kicked out of our, our home that we had investment property and they took me to court and everything. It was, it was just like one thing after another. I had to you know, get rid of my dream home. I was building my million dollar dream home, lost that, had three foreclosures on top of that and you know, just had nothing left to my name. And here I am turning 30 with a very different outcome than what I had anticipated, you know, the previous Can you remember years. kind of the day that was like the worst day where it kind of all just felt like it was all oh. coming in on you? Oh gosh, there's probably at least five, but no, it was, it was when I got the call. What happened was, I didn't tell this part, I was with a friend and we just got back from a, a retreat. You know, we were, we were trying to figure ourselves out. We were doing a spiritual retreat and she drove because my car had broke down. So my car was at the shop and the guy called me. This was, you know, before it got officially repossessed. And he's like, hey, yeah, um, this is the bill. And I was like, yeah, don't have the money. He's like, oh, well, then you got to tow it if you're not going to let us fix it. And I think it was only 50 bucks, maybe 75 for the tow, which is actually really reasonable. Mm. And I didn't even have that, Andrew. So I told him, I was like, I don't even have that. And he basically said, wow, you're pathetic. And hung up. And then a week later, you know, I, I presume they, they took it mm. <laughs> from the car mm. dealer. I was just, you know, so ashamed yep, and yep. so feeling alone i mean i had you know you find out who your friends are when that happens yep, totally my family thought i was crazy because i wasn't paying my bills and you know i was mm. talking bankruptcy which is yep. cuckoo for cocoa puffs to them and then my friends all of them were mostly i, I should say most were in real estate the business partners they were freaking out and you know kind of 
left me holding the bag. My other business partners and friends and colleagues were like, Lois, what's going on? Because I was like at the beginning of mm. the end. Mm. You know, this was 2006. And yep. most people say it was the recession of 2008. And I'm like, um, no, pretty sure it was 2006 and 2007 and 2008 for those of us who were surfing, you know, mm. futons and floors of our friends' homes. So I wasn't yeah. on the beach or the bench, but I was I was that close. Wow. So I think it was when that guy, that car mechanic said, oh my gosh, you're pathetic, a total stranger. Just was, cuts to the know, heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I bought into that and I, mm. I was I was pretty depressed for, yeah, for yeah. quite some time. So how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this? Well, you know, at that time I did have some hope, right? I did believe that the silver lining was, huh, maybe I'm not supposed to be in real estate anymore. Because <laughs> mm, mm. my true passion was sales training yep. and speaking. And so I did start sharing my story. I did find a mentor who said, Lois, this is your opportunity. And this guy had worked for Tony Robbins. And of course, Tony had worked for Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn said, I listened to his audios all the time, especially during that time. He said, discipline your disappointments. I had a few <laughs> discipline, but I realized, huh, you know, maybe there's another, you know, opportunity here for me. So that's when I started really working on myself. I gained a lot of empathy and compassion for other people because I had never had had bad credit. I had mm. never been homeless. I had never considered bankruptcy. I realized I had a lot of judgments about that. And I realized yeah. also anything could happen like that book, bad things happen to good people. So I needed that to happen mm. for me, not to me, for me, so that I could understand and be prepared for life. And so discipline your disappointments. And then I added to Jim Rohn and never give up. You know, mm -hmm. what could I gain from that experience? What could I bring forth in my here and now to help a lot of people? And it was like, yeah, don't give up hope. Just what can I learn from this lesson? And now, like, I, when the pandemic hit last year, I was like, pandemic proof, more or less. So I, I was like, you know, it prepared me for where I'm at now. And, and all the people that I serve, they're going through some semblance of that, thankfully. Yep. Not all of what I went through. Mm. But I felt like now I can really get people's pain. It really empathize. And that's what sales is too, right? It's, yep. it's about That's what was missing with that person sending you those blasts. You know, there's just hitting you with something. There was no, you actually needed empathy at that moment you know and he wasn't able to provide it wow there's a few things maybe i'll share that i take away from your story mm -hmm. i've written down a bunch of stuff you know the first thing that i just want to talk about from a financial aspect is supply and demand when demand rises prices rise and when a government for instance provides a huge amount of funding to people for let's say housing, let's say education, whatever it is, when they provide access and low cost, it's gonna cause a flood of people going in and buying stuff. And that buying is gonna push up prices. And that's part of, huge part of what happened in the 
2008 crisis, or in your case, starting in 2006. Uh, and, 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 and we're seeing that happening now also in the housing market in the sense that people have access to almost free money. I mean, nowhere around the world could you borrow money at like 3% and have a fixed payment for the next 30 years. It just doesn't exist in the rest of the world. And where does that go? It goes, of course, to the U.S. government because banks sell it to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So just be very aware about that. I think the other thing I want to take away from this, too, is that having been a financial analyst all my career, looking at thousands of companies, I can tell you the number one risk that a company has is debt. Because if you do not have debt, which many companies operate without debt, if you do not have debt, nobody can really shut you down. But banks can shut you down if you have debt. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have debt, but just understand the risks to debt. I've operated a, a coffee factory in Thailand with my best friend for 25 years, and we basically haven't had much debt. We didn't grow the way that, you know, as fast as we could have if we had more debt. But nobody can, even in the pandemic when our revenues collapsed, nobody can shut us down. So that's the second thing. I just want to also talk about self-worth and shame. Those are two words that you had talked about. And I think that, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you are open to share that because I know many of the listeners are feeling low self-worth and they are feeling shame right now for what they're going through. They maybe lost their job. They've made mistakes. They're not able to provide for their family. They're struggling. And I think the first thing is that you've been open to share that. And I want the listeners to, you know, think about someone that you trust and go and talk with them and tell them your pain or your shame or your frustration and at least, you know, follow Lois's example of being willing to be open. And finally, the last thing is episode 371, I interviewed a guy named Robert Paler and Robert Paler was paralyzed from an ax a rugby accident when he was in university. And it's taken him years to get the ability to move again, which he has. And you can follow him on uh, Instagram and um, look for the episode 371. But what he said at the end of the interview was that that paralyzed, being paralyzed, that accident, I wouldn't change it. It's made me a much better person, a much more meaningful person. And that's what you are telling us, that your hardship made you better. So I really, there's a lot I took away, but anything you would add to that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think it was such an opportunity for me to learn. Like I, I did interview a guy on my podcast today too, and he's made hundreds of millions and he's lost it multiple times. He's done both. And he said he learned more from the losses, but again, it was because he chose, he made a conscious choice to say, huh, I might want to learn something here and not repeat that. <laughs> so even though I went through and you gave great advice, like I did, I saw a therapist, I, I, I found, I had my high five back then. These are people that I said, mm. if I call, you need to pick up the phone. Right. High five. And those are my high five. And to be honest with you, I still do that to this day. I call people, five people a day to just say, I love you or how are you? I'm here for you no business. And like yesterday, I, one of those happened to be a guy who had said he, he told me he had tried to kill himself, right. you know, just a few weeks back, you know, so there's always an opportunity to give back, you know, so those people gave to me. Now I'm giving back. So when in doubt, reach out, there's 
always someone with a bigger problem, a bigger boat. You've probably heard that phrase before. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always someone that can connect with you and, and just listen and be a sounding board. And so I have a huge heart for mental illness and suicide. Mm. I've lost several friends to suicide and I, I, I so get it. And that's why part of why my podcast is called Healthy and Wealthy and Wise is just because there's so much beauty in life that it's easy to focus on the pain and the, the trauma and the shame and the guilt. And trust me, I was probably still talking to my therapist last year a little bit about mm, that, sure. <laughs> you know, because it comes back at times, right? Part of the journey. And so just being real and honest and transparent with people, you know what? The, this past year, if I, the more I shared my, my story and, and some of it was still the, from the recession, but even what I went through last year with my brother dying and my mom dying, people were just drawn to me and said, Lois, thank you for being real. Thank you for being authentic. And that reminded me, I was like, oh my gosh, a lot of times we want to wear a mask that will fake it till you make it crap. Mm. And people don't want that anymore. They just want you to be real. So if you're not feeling it that day, you can just say, hey guys, I'm, I'm hurting or, you know, whatever there's, you know, I released a lot of that shame a long time ago, thankfully, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I went through a lot of shame and recognize that it wasn't serving me. In fact, I manifested an autoimmune disease in my throat because I was afraid to speak mm. and share my truth. And so that's a whole nother layer of, you know, if you, if you don't release that stuff and learn from it and let it go and surrender it, it can manifest in dis-ease and, and it's not worth it. Just trust as, me on that. As my counselor said to me many years ago, resentment rots the container it's in. And uh, yeah, lots of great lessons. And this podcast is all about being real and sharing our worst investment and learning from it and connecting. And I know I feel a deeper connection to you and I know my audience does too. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Listen to your intuition more, trust your gut, and and that that actually takes a skill a habit of nurturing it but but listen to yourself uh, a lot of times when i created that that experience because i do believe we create our own experiences right i could have blamed my friends my business partners right but there was something that i brought to the table to create that and there were times where my intuition said hmm is this a good partner to partner with <laughs> you know I didn't take time to just sit. I was too busy up here. I was too excited by the money, right. by the possibilities, instead of just sitting with it, trusting myself, instead of, you know, seeking everybody else's answers. That, that, even though, like the guy you said on, on your episode, that would not change a thing, I would not change a thing. Because, oh, by the way, I ended up meeting my husband, the love of my life, when I was homeless. I could have yeah. never met him had I not gone through that. So it was perfect, and it mm. changed the trajectory of my life. So that's however, good. Go ahead. I was going to say, however, it did teach me to slow down, ask yourself, is this really in my best interest? Is this the right partner, the right thing, the right whatever? And if I, you know, if I can add like a part two to that is if you do seek counsel from other people, just make sure they are 
exactly the right person for that too. Qualified. And they, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, I'm so excited for, so part of my plan for the next 12 months is I'm having the manifest and monetize summit. And so I, I'll probably have two within the next 12 months. But the goal is to continue this permission-based message and movement. Mm -hmm. And I want to have at least 10,000 people attend that and listen to my 20 plus speakers. And of course, they're going to hear a lot about my story and about permission-based messaging and marketing and, and manifesting through your, your truth and service and permission-based sales. So it's all around that. But to really, through that, through getting those 10,000 people to come through and hear all this inspiration to bring positivity to the world, to really create a, a massive movement that'll help more people be healthy and wealthy and wise. In this well, I think day. that's exciting. And uh, I know for the listeners out there, we'll have all the links in the show notes so that you can connect. Also, just go to healthy and wealthy and wise podcasts and that's an n not an and between <laughs> the domain each. was taken already so i had to yes. i had to you know there you go it. and also <laughs> as you get the details of the summit you know i hope i can get that and i'll share that in the show notes but also in my email so that people are up to date about it because i know i would like to go there too so listeners there you have it another story of loss to keep you winning my number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com and I look forward to seeing you there. As we conclude, Lois, I wanna thank you again for coming on the show and on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment do you have any parting words for the audience? I'm going to go back to discipline your disappointments and never give up because you matter. You have greatness inside of you. You're, you're still breathing. You're here. There's something that you need to share and speak your truth. And it, it does require disciplining your disappointments and never giving up. And for those people who love your message, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's a couple of things. If they want to go to loiskofi.com, that's first last name.com, L-O-I-S-K-O-F-F-I.com. However, now that I'm alumni, this is so exciting. <laughs> I, I was a college professor for a while. It's another whole fun story that came out of the homeless mm -hmm. period, actually. But I, I have a course that's all about permission sales. I'll give the link and the promo code. It's a $497 course, but I'll give it to your audience only for free so they can understand better. It's a five day slash one hour a day, five hour course in total to help them generate a hundred leads in five days using the permission based method that I created last year in this new normal as a result of my experience. You know that feeling when you like, you just feel a wave of, of feeling, you know, when someone does something, that's how I just felt. And I really appreciate that. And I know, for the listeners, I'll have that in the show notes. Click that link. They'll be right there in the show notes and take advantage of this opportunity that, that Lois has given us and we appreciate it. And that's a wrap on another great story to help you create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.